0: I think part of him was really enjoying it, too. I think part of him was like, oh, this is interesting. We kind of played house for a day. It was very much like we were a couple and like, you know, I was going along with my husband and his mother for her birthday. I and mean, it was a very, I mean, other than the age difference, which, you know, I mean, in, you know, gay world was nothing. He was very, um, he was very sweet about it.
1: Hello, my name is Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. This week, we are heading back to the Big Apple with Connor Kelly O'Brien, an actor, theater maker, and creative arts organizer, originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania. After a day of soul-zapping auditions, Connor found himself at Ninth Avenue Saloon, a gay dive bar in Hell's Kitchen. It was here, whilst commiserating over an alcoholic beverage, or two, that Connor met a man, got pleasantly distracted, got frisky, and then, well, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out. But, yeah, definitely one of the more interesting one-night stands I've heard about. So when did, you, when did you move to New York?
0: Uh, it was sort of an on-again, off-again um, relationship. Uh, not on much, most of my actual relationships. Um, 20, when I was 20, so eight years ago, nine years ago. Ah. Um, 2021, yeah. I am approaching the dreaded gay age of 30 this summer. Um, yeah,
1: I am let's not talk about that, that <laughs> in that way.
0: Like- well, you still have a few years, right?
1: <laughs> no i'm not even gonna like buy into
0: all that ageist bullshit no it's nonsense i will i will tell you it has nothing to do with my virility or my sexuality i'm better looking than i think i've ever been i know what i'm doing more it's just the expectation of like oh god i'm 30 i should be doing more it's not like there's saying like, it's it's 30 is great it's like oh god it's me being mm-hmm. 30 it, it's not actually being 30 do you know what i mean like the idea of like when you're 25, it's like, oh, honey, you'll get it together. You're only 25. When you're 30, even though it's a great age, you're still young, there's sort of an expectation of, like, mm, you're 30. You should know what you're doing. Better.
1: Yeah, but if you didn't, like, just fuck for the entire decade of your 20s, then you kind of wasted your 20s.
0: Oh, then I must have, because <laughs> oh. I was a very, we'll talk, we'll, I mean, I made up for lost time, don't get me wrong, um, but I was a very sexual late bloomer. Um, oh, yeah i mean i did stuff but like i didn't do stuff until probably oh
1: what like, so you just like touched it and then ran away
0: no 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 i mean i did more than that but like you know um
1: you know i don't i d- i'm not sure i know i
0: can i can say whatever i want right I yeah, I yeah 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 oh, okay i didn't know what the there's no rating on this queer podcast right besides five stars um <laughs> so i was raised in a cult this isn't that's not a joke i was raised in a cult Um, particularly a a cult that many might be sort of familiar with in a tertiary way. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And so being queer and gay, let alone, you know, was, you know, not an option. Um, Although I will say, ironically, my departure from that faith had nothing to do with my... I mean, I think my sexuality was a low simmer underneath it. Mm -hmm. Um, My departure was more so just logic. I actually would have been willing to repress sexuality... If I had to, it was just that like, well, I'm not believing any of this. And on top of it, I feel like there's something going on. It's like that pre-diarrhea feeling you have. And it was like, I feel like something's going on down here um, that I have to express. Um, No. So I, I didn't kiss another person of my gender identity until I was 18, 19, 18. I was 18 when I first made out with another guy. And and had Um, you left,
1: had you left the Jehovah's by then?
0: Not entirely. Okay. I was sort of like halfway out the door by that point. It's a process, uh-huh. um, which is a whole conversation. I was like, hey, I was like halfway out the door. Um, and then I wasn't 23 until I would I, see. And, and it's. But then, so what were you doing? What guess, what, like,
1: you, moved, uh, you moved to really New York.
0: Passive, really passive aggressive hand jobs. Um, you know. Uh, so, wait. So, what do you mean by passive
1: aggressive hand job? Do you mean like a begrudging? <laughs> just, just like.
0: Just, just like, oh, I'm loving this. And like, just like not knowing what I'm doing. Um, I was very much, uh, I mean, it, it took me until I was 22, 21, 22 to put my lips on a dick. I mean, completely sexually repressed. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't understand my own body, let alone somebody else's. And then I just made up for lost time <laughs> in the, uh, around 23, 24, I would say I, Cook emerge from my sexual repressed cocoon and then it was just game on I love Muppets it was Muppets take Manhattan if the Muppets were just you know sexually repressed uh, gay guys um
1: mm. only only miss piggy is so okay, so let's just pause for a moment sure. and then go back to to moving to New York. so you moved when you were around twenty what was yes. what was the game plan
0: <sighs> um become famous by twenty five. <laughs> So
1: uh,
0: needless to to say, we were a few years, I'm a few years behind that plan. Um, There really wasn't one. It was just go experience. I knew I wanted to work in theater. I actually was living in when I first moved to New York, I was living in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Mm. Um, I was working for uh, for next to nothing, um, an organization called The Living Theater, The Living Theater, founded by Julian Beck and Judith Molina. May they rest in peace. And uh, I would I worked, the theater was on Clinton Street in the Lower East Side. I would work in the theater, which was like a small black box underneath uh, the first floor on the basement level, mm-hmm. met so many amazing people. Um, I did a lot of like administrative work. And, and then um, I actually wound up living on the stage of the theater for about three months. Um, and so that, I mean, I would use, there was a shower, There was a bathroom downstairs connected to the dressing room. So I had, you know, a bathroom, a shower, a, you know, a little closet I could store things in. I would wait until the shows were over. I mean, they knew this, this wasn't like I was hiding it. Um, I'd wait until the shows were over. I had like a makeshift cot, uh, slash sleeping bag thing that pulled out and I would literally sleep in this theater alone, uh, every wow. night. And I, I mean, I had, I had until like that no one would be down there until like noon, so, I mean, I had until noon, and then I'd leave and go do what am I, whatever job I was doing, whatever auditions I was on, whatever productions I was working on behind the scenes or as an extra in. And then, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. I wish I had been a little more liberated at that point in my life um, because there was a lot of opportunities. Sexually, oh, yeah. uh, uh, illicit drug use. that was. And, I mean, to the point where I don't even know the offers I was probably given at that point because I was so unaware of, pl- of flirtation oh, and so unaware. I think of, my
1: mind went to a different place. I was thinking like, oh yeah, you could take the costumes and do role play. You could like <laughs> hang from the, the stage. Oh you my could-
0: God. That's your, I mean, that's leaps and bounds. I'm talking about like, you know, someone would be like, hey, do you want to go get a drink tomorrow? And I would be like, no, I <laughs> I, I have drink, I have drink. I have drinks here. Are you, do you need help? Like, I mean, completely the dumbest, poor little child you've ever seen. Um, I mean, everything from, you know, uh, I mean, drugs to sex to, you know, spontaneous cross-country road trips to work opportunities. I mean, I don't want to paint this heat. It wasn't, I mean, they were lovely people. And I probably, see, I've already done it. I probably should pull back on that a little bit. Um, They were wonderful, professional, you know, very accommodating. No one ever, ever made me feel uncomfortable in that space and in that community. But I definitely... It was a bit of a square, uh, you know, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, um, or lack thereof. Um, um, and, yeah. It, thank you. <laughs> um,
1: but then, so, okay, is theatre this thing that's just always driven you, and you've just been certain that that's
0: what you want to do? <sighs> yeah, I think it was. Um, I will say I was never... You know the little queer, uh, you know Broadway bound baby. I, I I knew that you know besides the fact that I can't sing that well, at least you know beyond carrying a tune in an ensemble, I just knew there was something about acting, like legitimate acting, that just really appealed to me. And I guess I mean a- actors will tell you this isn't true, and they'll like to come up with some self gratifying response. Anyone who doesn't like being themselves relishes the opportunity to get to play mm. other people. Um, I mean, and any child likes to play dress-up and likes to play characters. And then once that continues well into your adulthood, you know, there's there's, there's a psychosis behind it, which is fine. Um, (laughs) I started taking acting classes since I was really little. I mean, really little. And then my first legitimate theater experience, I think it was 13, 12, 13. It was like a really good, like, American theater chestnut piece to be your first play. And I, I auditioned. I got the part of George totally gave me a complex for all future roles um, that I would not, that it wouldn't be so easy and wouldn't be so accessible, but it's cliche, but I fell in love with it. And then my first pay, my first paid film role, I think I was 16, 17, and it was like this weird independent film thing. I remember I got a hundred dollar check and I thought I was fucking loaded. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was like, the, I was like, I, I, my shit didn't smell. Fuck all of you. I am brilliant. And I am, you know, um, I think I held on to that check so long. It was, I don't think I even cashed it. I was just so, like, enamored by the concept of money and it's mine. And I did it by acting. Quick um, side,
1: quick sidebar. If someone gives yeah. you a check nowadays, are you just really pissed off?
0: <laughs> just angry. I'm just, just like just, like oh
1: great now I'm gonna have to go to the fucking bank. Fucking Thanks bank. a fucking lot. No,
0: no, no. <laughs> I wish no, no, no. Trust me, I will never get anyone out there wants to send me a check. Um, or find me on Venmo or find me on Venmo at Connor Kelly O'Brien. Well, see, yeah, see,
1: I mean the Venmo, that's fine. I like that goes into your account. You oh, don't so you have to do anything. People? Checks, you have to like go and do something with them.
0: <laughs> do you not have remote deposit? You can't take a picture.
1: Oh, maybe you do. I don't know. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Well, fine. Okay, fine. Fine. Checks aren't that annoying. <laughs> so, so you had the acting bug. And so was New York kind of like this mythical beast for you?
0: No, no. Because Scranton's only, I mean, you can do, from my apartment in, in the city, because it's right over the, the bridge in Harlem, you could do door to door two okay. hours. You know, I mean, it to me, it's just as mythical as it was mm-hmm. when I was 12 years old, the first time going. Uh, the first time going with active memory. Uh, but no, New York has always seemed, at least to me, very attainable, very understandable. Um, not necessarily breaking into that industry, that's still a beast that I don't quite have a handle on. Um, as much as I think I do and then realize Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing.
1: Okay. And then, so what were those first days in New York like then? Was that your first time living away from home?
0: Was that my first time living away from home? Yes, um, yes, that was my first. I would say that was my first time really living, being away from home. Um, it was weird, but I mean, I had such an unusual, unique experience. You know, most people, it's you know, I didn't go to a traditional four-year college. So for most kids, it's you go away to college and you live in a dorm where you have a, where your meals are provided and you have a roommate and you you know you're a full-time student and you join clubs. I mean, I was working right out of high school, before high school. So, I mean, like, you know, living on this floor of a theater and being in this really, you know, um, very, you know, intense neighborhood in Brooklyn and, you know, emerging onto the gay dating scene, not knowing anything about myself, level, which, I mean, I feel... But I, I feel like most people, especially in the queer community, and I could be wrong, but most people of my generation of, you know, the kind of young, mid, mid middle-aged millennials now... Um, have a sort of there's there's like there's stepping stones right you know and for some people it's you know their first experience maybe was with someone in high school or it was you know their freshman year of college and for me everything sort of was equally delayed and then the most insane turned up to 10 experiences that people in their 40s have never had
1: are we talking gay people in their 40s are we talking straight people in their 40s
0: That's a good question. Um, I I met straight people in their 40s.
1: Um, I mean, that could be anything. That could be like sitting on a cake. (laughs)
0: That's true. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but, you know, I talked to some of my straight friends and for them, a threesome is like, oh, my God, maybe someday I'll attain that unimaginable goal. And it was just like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of them. (laughs) Like it's so, it's, 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 and it's, but and it's
1: so I mean, I think it's, a, I think like to be fair to straight people, yes. Um, which is not really what I do often, like, it <laughs> like uh, organizing a threesome. it's a bit, it's a bit more complicated. They've had, they've had, they've yeah, had such mean, a hard time with it. Let's lay off straight people, people, you know, um, the, no, but like. I like to
0: say there is a difference though, between people who are straight and people who just happen to be heterosexual. There is a very big difference. In Ooh,
1: okay. Break it down for me. And then I'm going to go back to my threesome point.
0: Straight to me is you are the most vanilla, white, boring, uh, never thought outside of your world. I know plenty of you know cisgender dudes that are the most amazing, brilliant people in the world who just unfortunately happen to be heterosexual. And they say they were born that way, so I'm going to take their word for it. Um, I, I like to think there is, in my opinion, when you call someone, you know, someone like, is he gay or straight? Oh, he's heterosexual. Oh, Okay. That's just your sexuality, and all, and it's all good. If you're straight. To me, that's equivalent of saying you're basic, you're boring. In my book, it's like, oh, stop being so straight. So then,
1: so then, heterosexual people. Yeah. Like I feel as though it, it's it is a bit harder to arrange a threesome. Mm-hmm because if you're like all of the same gender and you all fancy that that gender then it's like oh okay like i fancy mm-hmm. everyone that's involved in this threesome but if you're like heterosexual and there's two men and a woman let's just say for for simplicity's sake then like yeah. if you're one of yeah. the men then you only fancy one person in that threesome
0: i mean they have a name for it they literally call it the devil's three way <laughs> I mean, it is, I don't know if that, I don't know if that expression has transcended the Atlantic ocean, but when I was, but here in the States, you know, if you're a straight, you know, a bunch of straight guys, it's like, yeah, I had a devil's three-way once. And that means it was you, oh. another guy and a woman. And it's like, you were you, you are so lucky enough to have any two human beings willingly, you know, capitulate with you intimately, you disgusting little cretin, how dare you call but it like, the devil's did, anything?
1: What? So what, like, because, because it's awful,
0: because in a straight guy's mind, you know, a cisgendered straight guy's mind, a three-way is him and two women just wanting him profusely. Just, just wanting that, you know, in that, that mid-level insurance agent dick. And, and just, and, you know, just, just, I just want to know how many Phantom Menace promotional pillows you still have on your just, and, it,
1: and it's a very negative connotation. It's not like, yay, the devil.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. There's no hailing Satan in the straight community. Um, No, it's no, no, no. Not like devil's food cake, like it's so rich and delicious. No, Uh, like taboo, like, oh no, oh no, you had a devil's three way. um, I
1: knew this straight guy (laughs) who who had a a devil's three way. I'm going to use that Mm -hmm. term because I've just learned it. And... He was like, okay, well, I'm going to throw myself into this. And sucked off the other guy that was in the three-way. <laughs> thinking like, well, this is just what you do. And then the other guy just like didn't touch him for the rest of the night. And he felt really rejected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, most don't. At least from the ones I've talked to. to them it's For them, it's sort of like, I really want to be with this woman. And this is how what she wants. Or usually, or sometimes it's like a married couple... And she and like they willingly agree to bring someone a third party in, which is, you know, mm-hmm. all, all, if all parties are consenting, more power to you. Um, and I think for, you know, I, I know a married couple that, you know, love to this day, they love to invite someone in. I guess they would be polysexual, polyamorous, I guess. I don't necessarily think there's any romance in that particular relationship. I think it's just for fun.
1: So swingers.
0: Yeah, well, sw- swingers to me indicates um, that you're like trading off. They only will play together and just get a third person brought in. Um, But I mean, yeah. And again, all power to them. But for them, it's like, yeah, we brought another woman in and I made out with her on the bed while my husband watched. And it's like, wow, Deborah, good for you. (laughs) That's incredible. And I don't want to sound callous, but I mean, for some people, that's a huge deal. And you know what? More power to you. Um, For me, that's like, I literally just like, and like,
1: so are you like, and are you like straight shaming? Then Deborah? you did
0: Um, no, no, I'm not straight shaming. I'm, um, I'm, sh- I am, I am, I am straight <laughs> taken aback. I am, I am, I am straight up straight <laughs> taken aback. Um, uh, oh, I wonder if we could make that happen straight up. Like, like re like reframe that. Like instead instead of it meaning like for sure, definitely. It's like, oh, straight up. Like, meaning, like, that's the most heterosexual thing I've heard. Like, oh, wow, oh, oh, wow, straight up. I Um, feel like that's
1: murky territory. Like, we've just kind of, (laughs) we've just kind of stopped them from saying that's so gay about things they don't like. We don't want to kind of, like, start that war again.
0: Oh, that's true. That's so straight. That's so heterosexual. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but
1: yeah, I think like if you're in a threesome, if you agree to it, you just need to throw yourself in. Like you, you can't be like, oh, I'm not going to touch yeah, that I'm person, not- or I'm not going to. You just just like fuck it. Like you know, who cares? Just go for it. That's my advice.
0: Right. I mean, to be to be fair though, are you telling me you've never had a threesome with? And uh, I don't want to assume uh whom you were only attracted to but have you ever you've never had a queer threesome and there wasn't one person oh
1: yeah like, no yeah yeah oh, yeah I'm absolutely really but, I, but i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure your experience is fun so yes you can suck my dick yeah
0: because <laughs> you're, you're such a humanitarian
1: <laughs> but that's like yeah like i i just i think that that's just really iffy when people do that like regardless of your orientation when you like well, go into it, and then you're just like, "Oh, I'm just going to focus on this one person." It's like, "Nah, man, nah." Those aren't the rules.
0: I have seen that happen. I've, I have experienced that happening, though, with uh, uh, cisgendered gay married men couples. Cisgendered gay. Have men. Been for- okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just who I have, I, I, I just, I've, I've learned the game. I've learned our new, I've learned the, the the art of this game is specificity. <laughs> so um yeah no uh that th- th- sometimes not always but sometimes there is one person in that relationship who really wants mm. this and the other person who's just going along with it to appease that other person and you could just tell <gasps> it's like yeah
1: that is just the
0: most so awkward happy thing here. it's like it's just it's so uncomfortable because then you're yeah, like because yeah. then, you, then you feel like an interloper.
1: and the thing that i always do is i like I mean, this is this is a theme in my life, but I always overcompensate, so I'll pay more attention to the person who's not interested and then just end up feeling weird.
0: It's like when you're having it's like having a really boring it's like having a conversation with someone and there's one person that's really bored and they're telling you can tell and you're like Yeah, yeah but, no, but tell me Kyle like So
1: what do what you think about your, that? What, yeah, no, no,
0: but, but tell me what happened on your what happened to, what, so my god and then when you had when you got your accounting internship, did they provide the pens or did you have to bring the pens from home? And like, you're trying to find common yeah. ground and they're like, just just finish this. Just, yeah, finish
1: this. and I'm just, yeah, I just go into people
0: pleasing mode. Damn it. Damn yes. It. Yes, completely. Um, and to an extent, you know, you don't want anyone to feel bad. You know, there's, there's a difference between people pleasing. No, but like, and this is the thing,
1: like with, so if you're, if you're a couple and you go into a threesome and one of you's into it and one of you isn't into Mm -hmm. it, like if you're the one that's not into it, just like go and make a cup of tea Mm -hmm. and fuck off.
0: That's the most British (laughs) answer I've ever heard to what, you know, what not, what to do if you're not enjoying a threesome. That was
1: not a British accent. I don't know what that was, but well, that like yeah, that's it. Like, don't just be there and like just bring the mood down. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, we have not even started <laughs> talking about the. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, so, kind
0: of so shall
1: we shall we mosey on down?
0: Let's mosey on down.
1: Where, so where do we start?
0: Oh, where do we start? Um. So I'm living on the stage of the living theater, discovering who I am, what I want out of life, my sexuality, my worldviews, my religion, literally every, I was already out of the religion at that point, but there was still a lot, you know, the thing about cults is that it's not what you believe, it's how you believe and how you think that it really impacts you. So I was still unlearning that and, you know, kind of trying to shed some of that judgmental energy and mindset I had. And so I started frequenting a couple of uh, gay and queer bars in the city, and one in particular that I really, really liked. Not because it was even really close to anything, but it was in the it was in house kitchen, the Ninth Avenue Saloon, which just closed as a result of the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, less than a year ago. Um, I was devastated to see that, and I really enjoyed it because it was it was just, it was a bar that happened to be queer, you know, and gay friendly. I was never a huge fan personally of like really loud nightclubs or, you know, I'd rather go to a pub that happens to be a really fun mm. gay bar. Um, you know, you could actually have a conversation. There was really good diverse music on the jukebox. The drinks were affordable. It was in Hell's Kitchen, so it was very accessible to the theater district. Um, and uh, one night after a really particularly bad string of auditions, just one after another, that I, I one I didn't even get seen for because they were like, Everyone, we've seen 300 people today. We're not seeing anybody else. After waiting like four hours, I know. Um, And just like, you know, Charlie Brown music, like walking back to the subway. And I decided I'm going to go in for a drink. I uh, went in and sat down and I was just so miserable and being so hard on myself. And I I kept a notebook and I still do. I, I would like document what I thought about auditions, what I wore, who was there, you know, common other actors I would run into you know, very meticulous notes. And I just remember looking down at my notes and sort of an out-of-body experience just rereading my notes from the day. And I was just so hard on myself. I mean, it was nothing constructive. There was nothing positive. It was just like, you suck. You're terrible. You're a terrible actor. No one likes you. What are you doing? Go back to Scranton. Like, blah, 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 blah. All, I mean, to the point of just like, I, and I think almost to an extent, I wanted to be self-pity. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed that feeling. And then, you know, a gentleman comes over and I'm not going to do an Irish accent because no, do it, do it, it be offensive. do it, do it, do it, it, do, it, it do it. won't be good. No, on, no, do no, 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 Come on. No. <laughs> it's so bad. I don't, I'm not an accent. I can I can do dialects and accents if I have a coach for a while. He, I can't do it. I really can't. It's so bad. It was like, he came over and he was like, Do it. You know, I mean, I'll do it. I'll do what it sounds like to me because he's basically like the Lucky Charms character. And he just came over and was like, What? Ah, I buy you a drink? like it literally sounded that high-pitched <laughs> it was so bad it was so. It was like oh no like everything just sounded like that inflection i know that's not true he actually had a very deep masculine you know bro but it was like he was like you know are you all right love and that's that's what he said it was are you all right love because i could just i mean like i don't know if i had a black aura like a dark aura around me but i was just like oh my god and he said can i buy you a drink and i said yes and for the purposes of this story we'll call him um matthew
1: Matthew? No, come on, something more Irish. No, no, his name was Ma- no, his name
0: was Matthew. I was, I was, I was doing a bit. Sir, oh, then, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, can't we just call <laughs> um, him something more Irish? Seamus, can um, we just Arash. call him Seamus? Well, my
0: name, my name's Connor Kelly O'Brien. <laughs> than- well, yeah, and well, so
1: why can't you do the accent?
0: I don't know. I could. I'm just. I'm not good on the spot. Um, it was. He, he was also a Northern Irish accent, which is a very, Ooh, yeah. very distinct. Yeah. You know. That's so. You know. You know, a Dubliner accent is a little uh, more generic in a way. No one from Dublin come at me for that. But he was so like, I mean, you could barely understand a word he was saying. Um, so he asked to buy me a drink. And I said, yes. And I was already through a friend sort of heading towards a whiskey lover's palate. And he just was like jumped on that. And he said, you know, what's your name? I said, Connor. Oh, my God. And then he's like, what's your last name? Brian. Oh my God. Um, he was super, uh, he was super charming and handsome and he made me feel confident again. And, you know, I was being chatted up and I, as I mentioned before previously, I had not had a great track record with healthy relationships as an adult. And at that point I was still, I was, I was young and I was very young for my age. Um, and he asked to take me home and I pondered it and pondered it. And I will say, uh, he was never bossy, he did not feel predatorial. He was older. He was 31, 32, you know. So he was, you know, another, you know, 10, 11 years my senior. But he was very charming and very hospitable and very patient. And we 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 made out. And I I truthfully mean this, we didn't, we didn't go, we didn't, we didn't have full penetrative sex. Um, I don't remember exactly what we did because we were both quite intoxicated. Um and back then, I mean it was like three drinks and I was gone. Um and um well okay so did you this. make out
1: in the did you make out in the bar
0: yes we did oh. we made out in ninth avenue saloon um the bar to the point where i will say and again this is just another testament to why it's so important to have good queer spaces because he went to the bathroom and the bartender who had been kind of keeping an eye on me throughout the night and knew that i was having a rough day came over to me and was like honey are you okay do you want to do this do you like him are you just having a bad day and i remember a very distinctly oh, wow. said to me Someone else isn't going to make you feel a bit better about yourself. And he said, like, if you want to have fun, girl, you go have fun. But he was like, don't. Um, and it was like this little fireplug, like twink, um, like guy who was probably like 45. Like the guy, who, like those guys that have like the short little fireplug bodies of like a 45 year old bodybuilder but the face of like a 19 year old. And he was like, with he's like, don't go there if you don't want to go there. He's like, you do what you want to do. You could sit right here. I'll make you something to eat and sober you up. Like, I mean, so protective and so genuinely concerned. And I was okay. I knew what I was doing. But I I remember even in the moment being like, this would have never happened at a straight bar,
1: Mm, mm. right?
0: And I I don't mean that bartenders don't look out, straight bartenders don't look out for other people, but like no male bartender was going to look out for a 21-year-old guy who was about to go have sex. Like there just wouldn't have been this concern and recognition that, you know this might not be exactly what i want and maybe you know mm-hmm. there is something to this age difference that should be considered if i was fine but i distinctly remember and to the day they closed i would went in and tipped that person in particular as much as i possibly could they left a few years ago i don't know where um shout out to billy wherever Aww. he is now um <laughs> but okay
1: so so like so, okay yeah I mean, I'm starting to get a bit worried about this story now since Billy's since Billy's looking oh, out for
0: you. No, it's no it's no it's no 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 it was it was it was it wasn't so much that like I'm drinking and going to make out with some guy and was really right. making out with him. It was more so like he saw how devastated I was when I came in. And I think it was more so like you're making your decisions based on want and fun and safe sex, not because you're like it was more of an emotional concern than it was like a safety concern. Wow. Um, but it was so lovely and so genuine, and I remember being in that moment and being like, because I was so new to this world, being like, oh, thank you. I'm fine, you know. I then proceeded to drink quite a bit more, and we both did. And we went back and, I mean, to the point where neither of us was going to, much. not much was going to happen um, because we both had been drinking a lot of whiskey. Uh, and he had this beautiful, beautiful apartment in Tribeca, uh, which is sort of like the financial district far downtown like where the, the World Trade Centers were in, in that area. And I just remember waking up in his bed, the, the the biggest bed I've ever seen in my life. I mean, one of those like, like two king size beds put together. Amazing. I like, took up like 80, I mean, I mean, luxurious. Like, right, like very like 80s Wall Street, like broker and like, you know, I'm going to walk out in like one of his oversized, like dress shirts, like that kind of feeling. That's not what happened. I woke up like, 90% in the same clothes I went to bed <laughs> um, And I just remember like, I just heard like screaming, screaming happening from the kitchen. And at first I was so tired and hungover. I thought that it was like just a TV or he was listening to the radio. And it wasn't until like, and it was a small, it was a big uh, bedroom. But when you walked out of the bedroom, you pretty much were in the kitchen, like right when you walked out. And I ran into him and his mom, <gasps> who he had failed to mention was coming over that morning because it was her fucking so okay. Birthday.
1: So who was screaming then?
0: The two, he and his mother.
1: Both of them, okay.
0: He, he and his mother. <laughs> she was saying, like, you don't care about me and you went and hooked up with yet. I'm, you know, did you bring back some other whore? <gasps> I mean, just was going off on, just was going off on. I remember she distinctly said, you know, I'm not giving her a pass on this. I'm not giving her a pass on this. I'm just going to say it's the truth of what happened. She said, at least tell me it's a woman this time. And I just was like, in the doorway, like oh shit, um, uh, you know, which is not cool. Which is there's no excuse for that. You know, she was angry, and they were, and I, and I, and she was clearly trying to get his goat. And then she just looked at me and didn't break one ounce of her rage. It wasn't like she saw me and went like became uncomfortable, embarrassed. And she's like, "Well, what's your story then?" Like, just came over to me, like just like <gasps> trotted oh, over and got. Oh, oh,
1: so she had, a, so she had an accent as well. So why don't you, yes, why don't you they, she, do her accent?
0: They, <laughs> Her accent would be... Her accent would be the... Oh, was no, 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 no. Like, because I mean, she was just the highest pitch. She was this little, stout little woman, so pretty, like, this pretty, pretty face, um, a bigger plus size woman, but very short, um, you know, very much in contrast because he was, like, broad-shouldered and very tall. It was... They were just, like... The, and, like them yelling at each other. I'm sorry. It was the funniest thing. Um, and they were just so, like... And they, one of them would make a joke and they both laugh... And then they'd get right back into the fight. And then she, um, I was just talking, and then all of a sudden, I just start like shaking. And I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, because uh, like I suddenly had this feeling of like I'm in trouble, which for no reason, for no good reason, it's like I'm in trouble. And she, um, she then suddenly, she instantaneously, just as quickly as she snapped at me, she got real quiet and felt really bad. And she's like, why did I make you a cup of tea? Go sit down on the couch. And then I went outside on the couch, he went in the shower, and, and we just what? talked. And she- <laughs> so, you oh, didn't I'm just not- like find a I'm cupboard
1: gonna- to hide in?
0: I wanted to. I just wanted to disappear. I just wanted to like sink into the ground and melt like the Wicked Witch of the West. But she was like, no. And she asked me, what's your name? And she had the same thing. She, she you know, heard my Irish name. She's like, Oh, well, at least you're Irish, which I mean, there's a lot to unpack there as well. But in the moment, I was just I was fine with just anything. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I just like I made a joke like, well, if it's any consolation, um, my father hates the British. <laughs> and like she laughed and thought it was funny. It was just so uncomfortable. Hey, let's um, let's
1: let's bond over xenophobia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> completely. I was just like at that point, I was just like, I'll say what everyone else, you know, Enron, you know, everyone that Enron deserved it. I don't know what i Um, no, but she was very, she, she was, uh, you could tell, um, uh, later in the day, she apologized for the, 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 the comment about at least you're not a woman. At least it wasn't, at least, uh, please tell me at least it's a woman. She did apologize for that, which I thought was very, which, which,
1: but Um, you just said later in the day. So that means you didn't leave as early as you could.
0: No, no. I spent over 24 hours with this family. (gasps)
1: Um,
0: well, including my time with him the night before into the next day, cuz we we went back it was not late. We went back to his apartment at like 10 and I didn't get back to my apartment until midnight the following um if not later. And um, your
1: stanky clothes from the night before.
0: In I state, "I showered. I showered and he he lent me some. Uh, I kept my pants on cuz he was he's like a he was like a big dude, like a broad-shouldered guy. He gave me like a t-shirt that just was a little like one size too big and I just um Febreze my jeans over the back of the, the back of something. Um, and she said, you know, and the, so what apparently what had happened was they were supposed to meet at, in the lobby of his apartment building. She lived somewhere else in the city. They had moved as a family back in the 90s when he was still young, but he went back to stay with his father a lot in Ireland. Um, so he had still maintained, you know, his Irish culture and his accent. But she had stayed, she was born and raised there. She had stayed here, though. Um, I forget what she did. And she lived somewhere, she lived in Brooklyn, I think. Um, but it was her birthday, um and she uh coming up soon it was sometime in may i remember that sometime in may well happy birthday Um, and happy (laughs) birthday fiona um and she wanted to um she wanted him to go to like a brunch and they were gonna have a whole day of it it was a saturday um and she was just like i've been you know i was looking forward to this and he and i haven't spent time together in so long and my other children live back overseas and blah 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 and i felt so horrible i'm like no i'm like no he's awful like we just we just bonded over like hating him I'm like, no, that's awful. He should never have, no. I completely sold him under the bus. She's like, do you two know each other? I'm like, no, he picked me up with his name. It's, it, it's, it's complete. I mean, I was just anything to appease this woman because I just felt so, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who, I don't know what my name is. Um. So I went to the shower. I'm like, just please let me shower. I got showered. They were having coffee. They kind of made up. So mind you, they were supposed to meet at like 9 a.m. in the lobby. It was like almost noon because she was like pounding on his uh, door uh, he finally woke up at some point. I mean, we slept in quite late. Um, by the time we left the apartment, it was almost noon. So brunch became lunch. And I said, okay. I walked outside thinking like, okay, we're done here. I'm like, he gave me a shirt to borrow. He was like, just keep it. Don't worry about it. Because I was just just so sweaty and disgusting. I had to put something else on. I'm like, thank you so much. I am so, so sorry. I'll call you, in. I'll call you later. Enjoy your birthday. Happy birthday. So this is coming from the kid who was raised Jehovah's Witness where premarital sex wasn't allowed. Being gay wasn't allowed. Fucking celebrating a birthday wasn't allowed. And here I am, you know, on the streets of New York, like saying goodbye to this guy, his mom being like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And she grabbed my hand. She said, I thought you you were going to come with us to lunch. And it was that thing where I was just like, "Uh, "Okay." so I borrowed his phone because my phone was dead. I thankfully knew the person's number. I called the person at the theater. I'm like, hey, they didn't even notice I wasn't there. I was like, I didn't come home last night. I'm fine. Uh, I'm not com- I mean, my job was so much basically a, a labor of love. They were very chill. They we are like, oh, okay, take the day off. You're fine. I was like, okay. So we went to lunch at a beautiful restaurant um, somewhere in Tribeca. He picked up the tab and literally we just spent the whole day together. We went to the movies. Uh, we went shopping and she, because apparently on her birthday, they don't buy gifts. They just take each other shopping and get them whatever they want. Uh, and they are not fabulously wealthy, but I mean, to have a two-bedroom, Tribeca apartment, this gentleman ha- had to be doing quite well for himself um, because he had an office and uh, his bedroom. And uh, we were shopping and, do I still have it? It's somewhere in my, I'm in Scranton now, it's probably in a box somewhere. Um, they bought me, he bought me this beautiful sweater that I was eyeing up the whole time, we were at Macy's. Um, uh, near Harold Square. He's like, you wanna get it, get it. He's like, I'm in the buying mood. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was just sort of like trying something on because I was bored while they were shopping. And she's like, no, let him get it for you. He, he's, you know, he's got money to spare, doesn't he? And like, she was the sweetest, she went from instantaneously, like being so angry and upset to instantly recognizing this 21 year old kid doesn't know what the fuck is going on. He's probably so scared and, and like worried. And I was hung over most of the day. And we were together, we went back to his apartment just hung out, they just talked, and then we went to, we had to have dinner, and what did we do after that? I think we just went and got drinks, I think we just bar hopped. It was the loveliest, loveliest, um, uh, I don't know how many people out there have had, you know, love affairs that have been like a 24 hour cycle where like, you meet the person, you hang out the next day, you really like each other, you spend the whole day together and they never talk to each other again. It was very much that, except I personally enjoyed spending time with his mom more than him. He was lovely. He was very lovely. She was just so, so sweet. Um, I have her email address. I haven't spoken to her in a couple of years. <gasps> Which, but, I, very truthfully, she could be dead. She could be... What,
1: so you kept in um, touch with
0: her? Yeah, yeah. She and I, I emailed. We email. Uh, I am going to send her this episode. This will be my introduction to... Uh, uh, yeah, she could not have been more lovely. I told her about... Believe it or not, that's not the worst date I've ever had. Um, I told her everything from... Crying when I was 18 years old, walking home in a Mr. Humphrey's costume from "Are You Being Served?" to um, being dumped halfway through a first date uh, on Eighth Avenue uh, because we accidentally crashed a funeral and it was uncomfortable. Um, and then uh, this one, this one won. This one definitely won for the best ending. It was so lovely and so so sweet, um, and I really appreciated. You know, she said some problem what we would now call problematic things um but she set them from anger and she acknowledged that she was wrong and most importantly she was just a human being and she was so compassionate and lovely and they invited me out the next day they're like do you want to come over for dinner tomorrow night um i mean and, and i could tell that she,
1: and you said no that, you said no right oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, okay, yeah okay
0: well he and then i could tell that he was like he, the invitation wasn't coming from him either she'd be like that and i could tell he was like um i brought home a 21 year old from the ninth avenue saloon one time there was no no ring was purchased, no dowry was been paid. The bands have not been read. Um, uh, she was just so sweet. She was so sweet. I think she did want me. She she had since expressed that had I been a little older, she really would have pushed for us to date. Um, she said you were young and you had some things to learn. And I just remember like I got read by this like old Irish woman um, that, that you know. And she and it wasn't that I wasn't like good enough for her son. She's just like oh. He fucking sucks. He fucking sucks, she would say. Um, And uh, they were so sweet, and they had such a wonderful dynamic. um, And, um, yeah, we kept in touch. Have not spoken probably about two or three years. Uh,
1: uh, I just, I'm, like, I'm really (laughs) struggling to understand everyone's motivation here, apart from maybe yours. (laughs) Like, maybe yours I can get on top of. Like, I can be like, okay. Mine
0: mine was just, um, like, just getting to the next moment like okay
1: yeah yeah so you were kind of like swept up and being polite and like yeah. yes
0: um at first i was just being polite and then it was like do you want to come to lunch and i'll be honest i was hungry and i knew he was gonna pay for it and i was like okay like this and i i very much knew from an early age like before you know when i was like five, 15 16 even if i didn't know what was going on even if i was a little afraid even if i was super repressed i knew to always as long as you're being safe always see a story through like always like like always
1: i mean if you hadn't we wouldn't be here today <laughs> i
0: know i know um how would i how would my career live without the appearance on this, Ex- on this exactly podcast? exactly
1: um, exactly
0: <laughs> like my mo- my motivation was always like my one of my dearest friends simone who's also one of my writing partners um she's an amazing performer director costumer based in brooklyn um, and you know, we, there's a running joke that one of her, my favorite quotes of hers is I've only ever wanted a weird night <laughs> or all, all, I've ever asked for. Oh, like very sincere, very sincere. All I've ever asked for is a weird night. Um, and it's so true. And I, I stand by that. I stand by that. I, I recognize it's a privilege and I recognize that's a little, uh, almost narcissistic to say that in a way, but I do love a really unique experience.
1: Why, that. why, why is that narcissistic?
0: Um, because, you know, when I say, oh, it's fun to be adventurous, like, I'm I'm being adventurous in a very safe way. For the most part, I have done things that oh, were horribly stupid and horribly dangerous.
1: That's the next episode, right?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, ooh, uh, that one, re- there's one in particular that I will tell you off the record, could not discuss because it would literally um, put people in jail. Um, hmm. Well, one of them already is in jail. <laughs> um, so... Um, my motivation was to see the story through, not be rude, get that free lunch. And then over lunch, I just genuinely bonded with this woman. And then in part, the man I went home with, so much like I just genuinely adored them. And the Ninth Avenue Saloon was such a comfortable, fun space to meet. Uh, but, I'm okay, and sure so, hard. like, so at
1: the end of the day, like, so, th- okay, so, okay. so your motivation, I understand. Her motivation, maybe there's a little bit of guilt. Maybe mm-hmm. there's, like, something going on.
0: I think there was a bit of motherly concern because she, I don't know what he told her when I was in the bathroom. I don't know what, um, what her feelings were. I think she went, I think it's that thing that we all have, right? That you, when you're really, really angry and you explode, and then you instantaneously feel regret. Even though she had some justification mm. for being that angry and upset at her son, there was no, you know, and lashing out at me was, well, understandable, not necessary. I think she was just okay. a kind, generous, welcoming person who okay. then happened to get caught up in a bad moment, who then, and then felt the needs. And so, and he was just trying to appease her. So, I mean, out of the three of us, his motivation and needs were he was just the walking wall. Of the but, like,
1: but I mean, and this is the, yeah, I mean, so I kind of get, like, I kind of get him, like, just, like, not rocking the boat, anything that mum says I'm going to go along with, because she's already she's already pissed off, don't want to piss her off anymore. Right. But I would then just try and get rid yeah. of you as quickly as possible. I wouldn't be like, let's hang out the whole day. I'd be like, right, well, we, right. we've had brunch, fuck off.
0: Which I would have been fine with. I would have been fine if he said I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, see you on the one train, bitch. Bye. Like, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Um, I'm kidding. I didn't live off the one train then. Um, he was, uh, no, he was so sweet and kind and generous about it. I, I think part of him was really enjoying it too. I think part of him was like, oh, this is interesting. We kind of played House for a day It was very much like we were a couple And like you know I was going along with my husband And his mother for her birthday And it was a very I mean other than the age difference Which you know I mean, in the you know, gay world Was nothing um, He was very um He was very sweet about it By the end of the night there was definitely like a when are you going home? <laughs> Energy And I was just he could have left any time I was just having a blast with Fiona um, he and I, Matt and I, have since run into each other once um, uh, at the Ninth Avenue Saloon, actually. We ran into each other again, and he was chatting up, probably some other 21, 22-year-old at the time. And we just made eye contact, and we hadn't seen each other in like years, like, like two or three years at this point. I just remember looking at him saying, oh my god, hi, how are you doing? And walked away, and I was meeting someone, I was meeting a friend, and he was with someone. And it was this beautiful moment of, we mutually saw each other, said hi, instantaneously had a flashback to that moment probably went and told the other person (laughs) we were with like oh my god let me tell you a quick story about that guy and then felt no need to like you know do the whole like how are you how's it going blah 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 if he wants to get a hold of me he Uh, can ask his uh, mom when this is the other thing
1: this is the other thing i need to ask so how did that go down like was she like well see ya do you want my email address like
0: (laughs) no no um for whatever reason, uh, I think it was whatever job I was doing at the time. My email address is pretty easy to find, um, and she just she she found me down and she emailed me. She yeah, Googled you.
1: she Googled oh you. Goodness,
0: me. yeah, it was my old. It was my old. She is one of like only five reasons that I keep my like <laughs> OG Gmail account. <laughs> Like the one, the one that's just like letters, my name. Oh, the
1: one that you weren't thinking about, like having to send job applications via. So you just made up any old random crap.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. I have not heard from her in quite some time. I am absolutely. I'm going to reach out to her probably today or tomorrow. See how she's feeling, see how she's doing. And then if I feel brave enough, be like, okay, by the way, (laughs) I did just do this podcast. Um, She'll get a kick out of it. She was, the, she was the sweetest thing in the world. I wonder if, she, I wonder if she's still in New York.
1: <sighs> okay. So then, how did you feel when you heard that Ninth Avenue Saloon was closing?
0: Devastated. I didn't even hear it was closing. I just saw, like, two weeks later, um, a Facebook post, like, someone else posting on their Facebook page, like, so sorry you're closed for good, we'll miss you, blah, blah, blah. They did, unless I am missing something, there was no, like, fanfare. They just kind of faded. Part of me hopes that maybe they're going to rebrand or restructure and form a new business in a post-COVID world. But Mm-mm. from the whispers I've heard, it doesn't and, seem likely.
1: And then what did that venue teach you about yourself?
0: It definitely taught me to be in the moment. I know that sounds cliche, but it, it truly it taught me to get out of my head. I mean, keep in mind, literally, I was in my head. I was very close when you started talking to me to be like, dude, I'm in no mood. Like I came in here for a drink. I mean, I was that twenty-one-year-old that was might as well have been like fifty-nine-year-old fly, like when I was in my prime. Like as I'm, tw- I mean, I was twenty-one, <laughs> literally being like my best years of the Like I was such a little, you know, Norma Desmond little queer. Um, uh, to get out of my head a little more, get out of my head a little more, be in the moment um, a little more. Um, the the supportive and lovely. Beautiful generosity and, and 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 kind spirit of the staff there, has definitely influenced me as time has gone on to especially to people who are now in their early twenties or and or people that are in their sixties that are just coming out you know in terms of their queer identity to have a little more compassion because I'm sure I was such a little annoying shit sitting at that bar you know bitching about my audition problems you know as there's probably like. 30
1: out-of-work actors sitting
0: in that bar at the same time. <laughs> in New York? No. No, no.
1: Did you ever go to Ninth Avenue Saloon? Have you ever had an awkward one-night stand? Either way, I want to hear from you. Get in touch and let's have a chat about the show and where we should go to next on Lost Spaces. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me with the username kandersonmusic. You can also find Connor on those very same platforms. He, unfortunately, hasn't been able to secure the same username for each of his accounts, so I am going to post them in the show notes. Or you can also visit him on his website, connorkellyobrien.com. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I have been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the coming year. You can hear the first single, Well Groomed Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen too. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.